a crush on Sam. And I told his best friend, Will, and then Will told Sam. Sam confronted me and was like, do you like me? And I was like, yeah, I do. And then he was like, well, I don't like you back. And then I was more. God, that's <laughs> savage. The OHP Uncut Podcast with Cannon. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for taking the time. I know you have to be tired. I mean, you've been working all day, right? Yeah, but it's okay. I love to work. (laughs) (laughs) Good, because there's a lot of it to be done, I'm sure. So have you been on set all day? Yeah, I've been working all day. Um, I didn't work yesterday because it was my brother's birthday. So I was working on Monday and then had a little break yesterday and then was back to it today. And tomorrow I get to bring my dogs. Oh, this is so exciting. This is my new puppy. So His did we name Moose. it? I know you were trying to think of a name. Yeah, I named him Moose. You, know, you did go with kid. Moose. Okay. I did. I went with Moose because of the irony. He's so small. And then my other dog, Kip, is somewhere wanting to be outside. And so well, that's good. They let you bring your dog. That's a pretty cool work environment. Um, yeah, it is. It what's is. a typical work day then if you're, if you're filming? Like, give us a glimpse of what that looks like. What time do you have to be there? What time do you wrap up? Is it you're working the whole time? Is there a lot of standing around? What's it like? Yeah. So like when I was filming Grownish, it was basically like 4 a.m. call time, which the studios were 30 minutes from my house. So it'd be like 3 a.m. wake up so that I would be alert enough to be able to drive at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> And then I would get there at four and then um, I would take a COVID test and then go straight to hair and makeup. And I would take like, there'd be an hour for each and then I would change. We do rehearsal and then I would have about like 15, 20 minutes to finish anything that hadn't been finished in the two hours allotted. And then we would start shooting and then um, it would be like 20 minutes to change. Like after we shot a couple uh, takes of a certain scene would take 20 to 30 minutes for them to like change the lighting, change the setup, um, and then do the same scene. And then another 20 minutes to like change the lighting and set up same scene. So a scene would probably like a three page scene would take like four hours or something. Um, when that's an insane amount of time for that much, isn't it? I mean, especially I coming from, you know, the world of creating your own content, that's, that's gotta be a little crazy sitting there. And- oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, I think the craziest part to me was, um, I mean, I, and then I would finish at like, nine or 10, sometimes 11 PM at night, and then be right back there at like four in the morning and did that five days a week for like six months straight. And I was just like, not emotionally prepared for the exhaustion that hit me, you know, but I loved it. I loved every minute of it. So how do you still have the energy to go do content on the side? Yeah. I mean, that was a big, that was definitely something I was grappling with the entire time that I was filming was do I continue to ex- expend myself for the sake of this current job that I'm already, that I've been doing for the past few years, or do I really give myself the grace and the ability to take time off while I'm exerting myself in this other really formidable way? And it was something I was had a lot of trouble figuring out, and I don't think I came to a conclusion. I kind of just did what felt right to me. Yeah. Um, hopefully, moving forward, next time I'm like shooting something or when we're shooting season six, which hasn't been officially confirmed. So hopefully that happens. But, um, when, if we're shooting season six, hopefully I I have a better grasp on how I, how I'm going to manage that because I wasn't posting content as much as I wanted to. But then again, I also needed to like take care of myself and and use my moments of free time for really just nurturing myself. Do you ever have days where you're like, I can't think of any, your content's so good, by the way, everyone knows that, but is there, are there days where you're like, 
I can't think of anything today and I'm just not in the mood. So there you go. <laughs> if I'm going to an event and I have my hair and makeup done and I have a nice outfit on, like I need to have my work brain on anyways. So like might as well just film content and kind of, you know, feed into what has already been given to me. Right. Right. Um, if I'm being paid to do something and it has a certain deadline, then like there is no excuses. Like if I'm having a bad day, I just, I need to do it. That's part of the job. Um, and then when it comes to like political things, if something happens in the news and it affects me really deeply to my core and I need to tell people about it, then it doesn't matter if I don't have good hair or makeup. Like I really just go to what according is happening to world events. Um, but when it comes to like any other content, if I'm not an event, it's not a brand deal and it's not about politics and that's pressing then I like, I don't force myself. I do what feels right. Was there a pivotal moment for you when you decided that you needed to do, I'm sure there was, when you needed to do the news, uh, political content? Like what, what was the event that sparked that to you? And you went, you know what? There is nothing for Gen Z. Like this is not, no one's communicating to them the right way. What, what was the, the, the prompt? Like the, what prompted yes, it? Yeah. The motivation, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, that's a great question. I don't think I have a single answer for you. Um, I started a news platform called the two minute times when I was 12 and that was a weekly email newsletter that I sent out. And, um, oh my God, was, were you 12 when you started that? I was 12. I was a sixth grader. <laughs> so I started that newsletter. I would take the top five stories of the week and summarize it in three to five sentences, each story in three to five sentences and send that out. And I did that for six and a half years. And like, email, thank you. I mean, email newsletter was like, just simply not the way that I was reaching Gen Z, because at the, at the end of the day, like my attempt was to make news digestible for my age group, which at the time was like 12 and 13, 14, 15, whatever. So like it evolved with me. Um, but after six and a half years pandemic hit, I was like this clearly this fashion of news dissemination is not working for my, for my, uh, generation. So then I saw that TikTok was blowing up and I really knew that at the end of the day, the thing that would like make me really upset, frustrated, and dismayed about the world at large would be like if Trump were to be reelected. And I knew that I had to do everything in my power to get young people registered to vote and to vote at the end of the day. Um, young people were on TikTok and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Then I'm going to speak to the camera. I'm going to reach my generation where they are at. And that's what started it all. What do you think that like mass media does wrong? Like, where do they get it wrong? How are they not relating? It's, it's, it's more than just the medium, obviously. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think there's a lot of things wrong with media. I think they like pick and choose what stories to tell, which I find a lot of issue with. Um, but we as a society are like so distrusting of media in general because of how riddled it's become with like, polarizing information and using stories, not facts. And like so much disinformation online about media in general has made media so hard to trust. So I think that's a huge part. And then another part being like, we're not reading articles. Sadly, we don't read that kind of stuff. Um, I read articles because that's how I'm able to like digest information to my followers, but they're too complicated to understand sometimes. And then lastly, like most of us are just doom scrolling on TikTok. So like if the New York Times is not taking like one of their news anchors and like making them read a story in under a minute, then like they're just not reaching young people. Like that's just, I said New York Times as if they have like news anchor. That's not. Like, <laughs> I knew where you were going with it. I knew what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if one of 
those outlets wanted to hire you though? Because you're really, really good at the way you present it. What if they came to you and said, hey, do you want to be an anchor? Or you know, would, would you ever do a job like that? I think if I had some autonomy over what I was able to say, yes. Because I don't want to ever feed into a narrative that I don't believe in. Some, like the best part about being able to talk about politics on my own platform is like, I can tell stories the way I believe they should be told. So that would be really important to me in a job like that. But I would be honored to like speak on behalf of some sort of big news corporation and try to make it more authentic for young people. Well, you do have a gift. I would like to see that one day. I really would. Cause I'd like you. to see you reach as many people as possible. Um, but I, I think it's fair to say you have the acting bug now, huh? <laughs> I do for sure. For sure. I love it. I live, I live for it. I love it. Why do you love it? And why do you live for it? I mean, I think it goes back to the whole idea of storytelling. Like for me, acting is just another avenue where I can tell stories to a much wider audience, to an audience that is more receptive to listening to these stories. Like we go and watch television and film and subconsciously we are ingesting everything that is being shown to us and told to us on these screens. Um, And I think like when you're on TikTok, everything kind of comes with like a grain of salt it comes with like a little bit of judgment but when you're watching a film or television show that's not the case at all like you are listening and you're watching and rarely do we there's not not a comment section where someone can like tear you down and then you can kind of like think about oh maybe she's wrong like that's just not the way that it is um and i just think like there's so much room in acting for being able to tell meaningful stories and um that's why i love it yeah (laughs) What's the most challenging part of the job? I mean, the hours are really long. I have to say, you know, the term like, um, shoot, what is it called? Uh, Burnout. I really experienced burnout for sure. Like halfway through filming, I hadn't been used to this kind of lifestyle of just like being on almost 24 seven. And I had been filming since March and then May hit. And I, and I went on a brand trip to, to, um, to Cannes. And I was so lucky to be on that brand trip, but like, all I wanted to do was just sleep and <laughs> be in my room and like no one talked to me. And obviously I wasn't able to do that because I had to, I was working. So, and I take my work very seriously. So I wasn't able to do that, but I really experienced that moment of like, wow, I'm totally and completely burnt out and I need a break. So I would say that's probably the hardest part, especially when you film for like six months on end. What's been the most challenging scene for you so far? Have you had to do anything where you cry, had to cry or any, any sort of emotion you had to express that you're not used to that, you found particularly challenging? Yeah, I mean, um, I haven't been, I haven't done that on the show. It's a sitcom. So like, rarely do we ever feed into that kind of like dramatic storytelling. Um, I was talking to the writers though, and I was like, I think we should. But um, it, at the end of the day, it is a comedy. It's a 30 minute comedy. So um, not on the show, but in auditions, I've had to, for sure. I've had to test my limits and challenge myself. And I think that that is like, honestly, one of my favorite parts of acting. Like I was just working on a scene with my acting coach a couple of days ago, and I can't relate to it at all. It's not something I can take from my own personal life. I can't bring my own personal experiences into this role and having to like create these experiences and showcase real emotion that lives within you, but for something that you don't relate to at all is really powerful. And I just love learning. Like I love learning the craft. Learning is one of my favorite things to do. So like learning that craft and working on that technique is really fun to me. How do you get there in your mind though? Like, let's say you had to do a scene where you had to cry or, you know, how do you go there in your mind so that you can express it authentically? You know, there's, I have a book of emotional triggers. So like when I need to, I have emotional triggers that happen in my everyday life that cause me to have really strong emotions. So like if 
I see something but like the other day I was looking into I have like a really deep affection for animals I would die for my dogs like I love them so much so the other day I was just laying in bed and my dog Kip was just staring at me and he had these like adorable little puppy eyes and he was just like laying on his back like just looking at me and I stared into his eyes and we locked eyes for like two minutes and I just started bawling Mm -hmm. because I just love him so much that like that was the natural emotion that came out of me. So in my, I took note of that. I wrote in my emotional triggers notebook, I wrote staring into my dog's kid eyes. And then I like kind of detailed what I saw and what I felt. And then when I have a crying scene and I have to like showcase how much I love someone or something or a passion for something and it, and it requires emotion, then I look back at that and I'm like, that's how it felt. That's what I was seeing. And I just play that in my head as I'm reading words that might not relate to me at all. A book of emotional triggers. That is fascinating. It really yeah. is. Is that something that's commonly done? I'm not sure, but my acting coach told me to do it. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're doing something right. Trust me. Yeah. Um, Introduce us to Lauren then. If we've never met Lauren, introduce us to her as a character. And and what is she all about? So Lauren is a devout Christian. She is a wannabe pop singer. She has a very big heart and she loves to love. And she's from like this kind of like sheltered Midwest life almost. Um, and then she makes this group of friends and she's exposed to like all these different alternating opinions and ideas. And um, she grows as everyone on the show grows, she grows with them. Um, and she's really receptive to what people have to say. And I think she's has some twists and turns coming in the second part of the season, which comes out in a few months. Um, and it's just, it's exciting. She's, an interesting one. They'll love to hate her. <laughs> we had some um, questions on Twitter. Uh, Siraj said, will we see more of Lauren's dating life? Will we? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yes, you will. Before we go, can we do yeah. five random questions? Yes. Five random questions. Blurt out the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. What's the last song you turned up really loud? Space song by Beach House. Who's your biggest role model? My mom. What's your yeah. dream role? I think a role in a drama would be really, really, really fun. Like that would just challenge me in so many ways that I would have so much fun with it. Who is your first crush? In first grade, this one named Sam. And I had a crush on Sam. I told his best friend, Will, and then Will told Sam. And I was mortified. Actually, <laughs> I think I he Sam confronted me and was like, do you like me? And I was like, yeah, I do. And then... He was like, well, I don't like you back. And then I was like, God, that's <laughs> savage. <laughs> I was all confident. Like, yeah, you know what? I do like you. And then it wasn't like that. If you could spend one night uh, or a dinner with the <laughs> fictional character of your choice, who would it be and why? I read a lot of nonfiction. So I feel like I'm going to have to give you a nonfictional character. I'll give you like, so Glennon Doyle wrote a book called Untamed. And Glennon Doyle is someone I really admire and appreciate. And I think that having the ability to have a conversation or have dinner with Glenn and Doyle would just make my life. Thank you for your time. Gronish is amazing and you're amazing. And Thanks. we just appreciate your art and your energy. You've been amazing. It's been very nice getting to know you. It really has. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. The OHP Uncut Podcast with Canon.